Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates how far the loving hand of God will reach. Matthew was of the lowest of lowers, the scummiest of scummiest, the greediest of greedy. A Jew collecting taxes for the Roman government. You see, publicans like Matthew, a tax collector, are in the Bible to encourage us as those who have gone far down into the pit in order to have hope in Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus said in Mark 2.17, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so it was for his choice of disciples as well. And as Pastor Xavier continues our Simple Truths Character Study series of the Apostles of Jesus, we'll see one of the most unlikely of sinners to be called, a tax collector and enemy to the Jews. Let's listen as the story of Matthew unfolds. So does the encouragement and hope for all those seeking the Lord. You know, there are some people, and we might be one of them, that if we were honest enough, we would say, why did God call them? How is it possible that with his or her past life that God can use them? Or we might say, I would have picked someone more qualified or even more credible. Such as Matthew, the eighth apostle according to the list of Matthew. The interesting thing is that there are many other disciples or were many other disciples that Jesus could have chosen from. There were 70 at one time he sent down. There were the 12. There were also two who had been with him from his baptism to the ascension on the Mount of Olives, whose name was Joseph, called Barsabbas, whose surname was Justice, and Matthias, who were the two chosen to be voted on to see which would take Judas Iscariot's place in Acts one twenty three. But out of all the 70 or 100 or even 1,000 disciples that he had, or maybe even more, we don't know, he chose these 12 after an entire night in prayer. And I hope that as we have come as far as we have, you now understand that God is not really looking for people who are qualified, but he's looking to make people qualified. There's a vast difference. We want to look at Matthew under three categories. The character of Matthew, the call of Matthew, and the commission of Matthew. The character of Matthew, his name means gift of Jehovah. Good name, but he was living as a pagan. So you can have a good name and live as a pagan. You can have a great heritage and live as a pagan. You can have great parents and be a degenerate. It's a choice. The name is equivalent to the name Theodore. The name Matthew appears five times, uh, three times in the list of the twelve, and Matthew 10, 3, Mark 3, 18, and Luke 6, 15, the regular list that we've been looking at. The fourth is again in Acts 1, 13, which we have looked at often. The name Matthew falls in the following different orders in the list. In Matthew, he is the eighth following Thomas. 
In Mark and Luke, he is seventh, following Bartholomew, which we studied last time. In Acts, he again is eighth, as in Matthew, but he follows Bartholomew rather than Thomas. The name Matthew is, remember, in the second group of the four. The first four, the most intimate. The second four, the least intimate. And yet, he's one of the twelve. Matthew is known by another name also, the name Levi, which means join. You remember the Old Testament, one of the sons of Jacob, Levi. It appears four times in Mark 2, 14, 15, and Luke 5, 27, and 29. Once again, we encounter the two names for the same man as Peter, James, John, and Bartholomew. Now, the lineage of Matthew, he is called the son of Alphaeus in Mark 2.14. His father is not to be confused, though, with the father of James, who is also named Alphaeus. Okay? Among the twelve apostles, there were two James. I don't know if you know that. James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, and James, the son of of Alphaeus. There were also two apostles named Judas, the son of James and Judas Iscariot. Luke 6, 16 tells us that. So you want to make sure that you follow the genealogies so you don't confuse them. Now we know nothing else about Matthew, neither in the place of his residence, not his upbringing, nor any family descendants. He was a Jew who was living contrary to all that he had been taught and knew to be wrong. That is very clear as we study his life. Violating his conscience even to the point of searing it. Very well knowing that he fell under the wrath not only of the law and the people of God, the Jews, but under God's wrath. Vilified by all, he became more callous, withdrawn, and lonely. Now, the occupation of Matthew, he was a publican, a tax collector. The title publican or tax collector meant a renter or farmer of taxes. There is no other apostle that is listed by his profession prior to coming to Christ. Matthew is the only one. Matthew alone identifies himself as a tax collector or a publican in the list of the twelve. So no one is putting him down He is the only one who calls himself that in the list of the twelve. I believe Matthew does this to exalt the grace of God over his sinful life. I also believe that Matthew did this to give hope to all who would believe themselves too far gone for God to forgive. Matthew being the only one to list himself in such fashion also reveals the love and the acceptance of the other disciples and apostles, never wanting to demean him or refer to his past life. What a great thing to observe. He's the only one that called himself a publican, a tax collector. Nobody else lists him like that. They just list him as Matthew. Publicans or tax collectors were hated and despised by all but most of all by the Jews. 
because they were under tribute of Rome and they never liked to be under tribute of anybody or acknowledge that they were under tribute. The Roman government would subcontract out the task of tax bearing. Various regions would be to the higher bidder. As the title publican and tax collector indicates, a renter or farmer of taxes. Now, the set amount of Rome had for the region would be paid, it would be bidded, and whoever wanted, then that's the amount that had to be paid to Rome. And as that amount was paid, then anything above that or whatever they extracted from the people, they could pocket the rest. So they became very dishonest, very uh, abusive, very wealthy. There were two types of collectors. There were those who would have others collect for them, and they would, of course, pay them a fee. They would receive the greater majority of it. But then there were those who did not want to let go of anything, and they themselves would make the collections. They were so greedy. This was the kind of tax collector Matthew was. For the scriptures tell us that he sat at the seat of customs, the tax office at Capernaum, to collect all for himself the very headquarters of Jesus. Luke 5.27 tells us that. He sat in the tax office. Matthew was of the lowest of lowest, the scummiest of scummiest, the greediest of greedy. The collected taxes, to make it all worse, of Capernaum, would go into the treasury of Herod Antipas. And he knew it. Tax collectors and publicans were the most hated and despised of all men. They were categorized with prostitutes and sinners. They were the lowest of men, notorious for dishonesty, fleecing not only their own countrymen, but government as well, if they could, because they were living for money. The thought of a Jew... Collecting taxes was considered to be the greatest unpatriotic thing anyone could do, a traitor of his own people. Such was Matthew, a Jew collecting taxes from Jews for the Roman government. He was barred from all synagogues as a publican. He was barred from being a witness to any court hearing because Tax collectors were known to be liars. That is why the tax collector in the parable of Jesus said he stood afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, Luke 18, 13, because he could not go near the synagogue. He knew it. He was not allowed to testify, as I said, as a witness, a liar. Now, the tax collector spared no one, not the widow, not the orphan, not the poor, not the oppressed. This was Matthew. God warns those who abuse the orphan, the widows, the poor, I'll get them. He knew it. And yet, he did it anyway. The taxes were of various kinds. There were ground taxes, one-tenth of his grain, one-fifth of the fruit of the vine the government would take, either in cash or in kind. There was income tax, which was 1% of a man's income. That doesn't sound too bad. Then it all adds up. There was poll tax, which had to be paid for every male from the age of 14 to the age of 65, and every female 
from 12 to 65. There was tax on all goods imported and exported from 2.5% to 12.5%. There was taxes on travel to the main highways, the main roads, cross bridges, to enter marketplaces, towns, and harbors. There were taxes on pack animals, on the number of wheels on your cart, number of axles on your cart, number of legs on your beast. You figure, tax collectors, they'll figure it out. The publicans and the tax collectors became very wealthy men. Do you have a picture of Matthew? This is Matthew. John Newton, who ran away to sea and then to Africa, was sold at last to a black woman. He sank so low that he lived only on crumbs from her table and on wild jam dug at night. His clothing was reduced to a single shirt, which he washed in the ocean. When he finally escaped, he went to the natives accepting their base life. It does not seem possible for a civilized man to have sunk so low, but the power of God laid hold on him through a missionary. He became a sea captain, later became a minister. He wrote many hymns and sung in the world all around. One, Amazing Grace. In the Church of London, which he was a pastor, there is still an epitaph which John Newton wrote for himself. It reads, quote, Sacred to the memory of John Newton, once a libertine, a blasphemer, a slave of slaves in Africa, but renewed, purified, pardoned, and appointed to preach the gospel which he had labored to destroy. That's the power of the gospel. That's the Savior that we serve. Perhaps you are such as Matthew, and your choices of life have caused more pain and suffering than the benefit that you thought to receive from them through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, in 1 John 2.16. Maybe it's a life of drugs that have caused you to lose the most precious things, to distort your perception and your understanding and the value of things. Or a lifestyle of sexual freedom, thinking that grab all you can, the excitement, the rush, only to bring such tragedy to your own life through disease or maybe illegitimate children or just a rift in family. Perhaps your pursuit was money, and you loved it so much that you have become treacherous to the closest members of your family, even friends. Being lonely, empty. You see, publicans like Matthew are in the Bible to encourage us as those who have gone down far down into the pit in order to have hope in Jesus Christ. In Luke 19, verse 2, and then on down to 10, uh, we have Zacchaeus. It says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone else falsely accusing me, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said, Matthew is not an exception. Jesus said, two men went down to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood, prayed with himself. God, I thank you. You did not make me like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, as we've said before, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. Literally, propitiate me, a sinner. I tell you this. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted, Luke 18, 10 through 14. You see, these men are in the Bible not to entertain us, not to have people cry, but to give us hope, to have our confidence in the gospel. We are to treat those in church who refuse to be reproached and approached and corrected for their lifestyle. Not accepting the discipline of the church to discipline them by excommunication and treat them like a tax collector. Listen, Matthew 18, 17. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be as to you like a heathen and a tax collector. He's talking about a Christian who refuses to be approached and correct his conduct and to be approached and to give accountability for his actions as a member of the body of Christ. Interesting. The character of Matthew was one of utter sin. Jesus saved him, made him new. Matthew knew who he was, he never forgot. Secondly, we have the call of Matthew. Go back to the previous chapter, Matthew 9. And uh, verse 9. Notice first that we are told by Matthew that Jesus passed on from the place in Capernaum where he had just healed a paralytic. And he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. Verse 9 there. Mark and Luke only differ in that they call him Levi, the son of Alphaeus. Jesus must have seen Matthew many, many times sitting there. And their eyes must have met. This was the headquarters of Jesus. Jesus must have brought such conviction to Matthew, as well as the feeling of compatibility with Jesus at the same time. Conviction in what he was doing, but compatibility saying, well, you know, I've been rejected by the religious society, but so has Jesus. So they have something in common. Yet they were totally opposed. Conviction due to the fact that he was a Jew, a traitor to his people, and knowing the scriptures condemned him. Compatibility due to the fact that both he and Jesus were hated by the Pharisees, scribes. The Sadducees. Notice next, we are told by Matthew that the Lord Jesus said to him, follow me. Mark and Luke tell us nothing different. This was a day which Matthew would have to make a decision about Jesus. This was a day, no more procrastination. The timing of God is sovereign and perfect when he calls. The decision was equally an invitation to leave behind his life occupation. Notice next, Matthew tells us that he arose and he followed him. The phrase to follow him meant that he believed who Jesus said he was, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. The phrase meant that he was following the kingdom of God that was based on righteousness, 
peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, not money, wealth, as before. There was a very clear understanding in the heart of Matthew what he was doing. He perfectly knew the type of life he was living and the life that Jesus was living. And when he said, follow me, he was saying, you follow me in my lifestyle. No mistakes, no games. Luke adds this. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Here's the key. He left all. Luke 5.28 is the only one that tells us that about this account. He left all. Matthew, hated by all, despised, wealthy, he left all. He can never go back. He would have no friends. For Matthew, it was a decision of abandoning all. He could never go back, even if he wanted to, as the others did when they went fishing. <laughs> we don't read that Matthew says, well, I'll go back to tax collecting. But the others said, well, I'm going fishing. And they said, oh, okay, we'll go fishing with you too. For Matthew, it meant everything was being laid on the line. It was a total surrender to never look back. Notice, secondly, the reaction of Matthew was to reach out to others like him. In verse 10, Matthew tells us, Now what happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house? Mark and Luke both tell us that the feast was at Matthew's house. Mark 2.15 and Luke 5.29. So we know that this was not just any house. The other gospel tells us it was the house of Matthew. Remember, he's wealthy. Luke tells us that it was a great feast. So it wasn't just a couple of people. Matthew was excited about his decision and his new life. Matthew was excited about introducing Jesus to his friends and guests of honor. The Bible tells us those who have been forgiven much, love much. Let me tell you, when Matthew had this party, Matthew was excited about his friends coming to meet Jesus. Matthew threw a party to celebrate his new life. He wasn't hiding his light. He was known. But he wanted to change his reputation. Notice Matthew tells us next, verse 10 at the end there, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came. These were the outcasts of the earth. There was no religious person among them. No Pharisee, no Sadducee, no scribe that would never be seen talking to them. Never. These were the ones who no one offered any hope to. They had been written off. No hope. Notice Matthew tells us also that these individuals sat down with him and his disciples. Like his master, the disciples sat there also. Then he said, well, I don't know why our Lord does this. What's the matter with him? Does he know he's tarnishing our reputation? Luke doesn't add anything. Mark tells us an interesting fact. In Mark 2.15, says that there were many, listen, and they followed him. You ever read that? There were many, and they followed him. Many came to that great feast, and many followed Jesus. This was the entire purpose Matthew had 
the feast for? Not to celebrate himself, but to save his friends. Pastor Xavier Reese describing how the ministry of Matthew was manifested so shortly after the call of Jesus. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Matthew. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Matthew, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com